0: Morning, friends. Very glad you're here. We're going to have a look at God's word in the scriptures now. Um, I'm, the next two weeks going to be looking at the theme of assurance. It's a series we did three years ago in six sermons, actually. Um, but a lot of you weren't here for those. Um, and those of you who were have forgotten it and need to be, (laughs) I need to be, uh, reaffirmed in these things. And I know you do too. Um, and I am very excited about this topic. And I hope you will be too by the end. And if you get to come next week, that you'll be strengthened by that as well. Um, I'm going to pray for us that this would be a really profitable time for us. So please join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we would hear Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would see Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would know and love and have greater confidence in Jesus today. Please, in your mercy, make that happen. Amen. I'm talking about assurance of salvation. And so very quickly, I'm going to talk about Jesus, because Jesus is our assurance, our confidence for salvation. Um, Today I'm going to be drawing a picture of what assurance looks like um, on the screen, uh, well we'll put the man up now shall we, uh, it'll expand as we move forward. Um, there's a very important question there because one day you, I, every person here will stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus. I don't know exactly what the questions will be or how that will play out kind of the actual words that will be spoken, I know basically how it works though and so you could represent it with this question. Um, I want to ask you this question now. If you were to die tonight and God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? It's, it's front and centre, most important question i got for you today. Because uh, this is what we're all about as Christians. This is, a, this is the root of confidence, the heart of confidence of a Christian. And as you can see with my little man, he is speaking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. More than that, he's speaking about Jesus doing it on his behalf he's standing before the judgment seat saying I don't have confidence in me or anything that's in me or my track record or my actions or my goodness before you God but Jesus died for me he washed away my sins, I'm pure in your sight now I trust he's conquered death and I look forward to eternal life in your kingdom this is Christian confidence that's the reason, that's the answer to that question And that's the basis of assurance. And the Bible says extraordinary things about that. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. It says, By Jesus' one sacrifice, he has made his people perfect forever. Perfect in God's sight forever. Or it says it in other sections as well. I just want to ask you today, do you know this confidence? Do you honestly, can you honestly, face the prospect of meeting your baker with confidence. I really hope you can because it's so available, it's so free. And it's at the centre of what Jesus offers. Years ago, I was at um, St. Andrew's Cathedral, just like a, a mission thing. You, you don't need to hear the details of that. But um, it was a very interesting conversation. I met a man, I think he was from Peru, and he, I, I described him as a, re, a religious seeker. He didn't have small talk, he asked big questions. Um, and he basically asked me, after hello, um, what does Christianity have to offer me? Okay, I like people who get to the point. Um, I said, assurance. I said, if you know Jesus, if you trust Jesus, you can be assured, absolutely certain that you're in right standing with him forever. And you can be assured of eternal life in his kingdom because he died for you. That's where it's all at. That's, that's right at the center of Christianity. However, it's more complicated than that and it's very easy to misrepresent. And that's where we're going to be heading today. I'm just going to click on to a next question. Because it very quickly translates this. How do you become a Christian? You might pray to God. Well, you should pray to God. You should say, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus' death on my behalf. I trust in Jesus. Please forgive me. And, and you can know with certainty you are. But then you might ask, so I've prayed the prayer. The prayer. I've become a Christian. Is that it? Am I eternally secure now, no matter what I do? It's a very important question as well, because the answer is no. Does a one-off moment of commitment to Jesus mean you're saved? No. A one-off response is not sufficient and if we present Christianity kind of just a one-off response I did this in my past and it doesn't matter what happened afterwards it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow it's not sufficient the reason is because it's the start of the Christian life it's how you become a Christian and then you need to continue as a Christian faith isn't just how you start the Christian life it is the character of every day of being a Christian holding on to God's promises continuing to trust in Jesus. So I'll just show you a couple of texts, I'll chuck them up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 3, and, and, and if you think it's just a one-off prayer, these things just throw, throw it all out. Like um, We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original conviction when we've converted, firmly to the very end. You see the if? You see what's going on there? Second one, God has reconciled you, made you in the right relationship with God by Christ's physical body through death, to present you wholly in his sight, that's like perfect in his sight, basically, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. You start with the gospel, you continue with the gospel, you finish with the gospel as a Christian. Part of what defines a genuine believer in Christ is that our faith in Jesus continues firm to the very end. So, what we're going to do is kind of broaden the lens out and look at it at the, the kind of a length of a life, or until Jesus returns. And it's what the Bible calls the race. The race set out before us at the end of Hebrews. It's the race of continuing in Jesus, firm to the end, in the same faith we started with. There's no prizes in this race for becoming first. It's finishing that matters. It's an endurance race. That's the thing that matters. Finishing the race, trusting in Jesus. And you'll see wrong side we have a church value over here on the 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 board here so we talk about being faithful adventurous compassionate and enduring disciples of jesus enduring is exactly what we're talking about today that's what these passages i've put before you are about christians are called to endure in the faith firm to the end what's at the end of the finish line salvation from judgment resurrected to eternal life welcomed into god's kingdom forever i just want you to notice something You notice that salvation is a future thing in the way I'm talking about it? It's very interesting. The way people often talk about um, being saved is it's a past thing. I got saved. Um, The Bible does use the word that way, but mostly it uses the word to talk about the future thing. It says we will be saved when Jesus comes back. And so we persevere in Christ because at the judgment throne, we will finally be completely saved into his kingdom. It's a more, more common way that it talks about it in the Bible. It's a future thing. It's also a thing that's happened to us. It does say in Ephesians 2, for example, that we were saved by grace. But most of the time, it's a future thing because it's trying to get into our heads. You need to continue in the faith. You need to continue in Jesus firm to the end because it's the race you must complete to be saved finally. So listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3. He says, I haven't already finished my goal at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He is looking forward to being finally fully saved by faith in Jesus. He's persevering, he's continuing in the race. Friends, this is the race that you must complete. You must complete. And I think that's where the anxiety starts to be creeping in because, especially in the context of difficult experiences in life, and you might ask this question, is finishing the race all up to me? Many of you will know people who once called themselves Christians and who don't anymore. Some of them now outright deny Jesus, others just don't seem to care, and you're left wondering, honestly, where they're at. maybe, Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't know where you're at with Jesus anymore, but once you felt more secure... And so a good honest question can be, can I really endure the length of the race? Because if the race is all about my ability to continue holding on to Jesus the rest of the li- my life, what assurance is there? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in 2016 to me. I don't. I don't know what trials I'm going to face. And so I could transform my original question to be pretty scary. If I were to die in five years and God were to ask, why should I let you into heaven? What will I say then? I don't know what five years' time Matthew's going to be. If I was to die in 20 years and God was to ask me, why should I let you into heaven, what will I say then? I really don't know what 20 years time Matthew's going to be assuming he's still around. And if it depends on my ability to trust Jesus, come what may, assurance doesn't seem real convincing. Let me illustrate it to you. Uh, This is a race. It's not a race people take very seriously. It's a fun run. The Sun Sun Herald City to Surf. It's 14 kilometres. It's got, I can't remember how many drink stations there are. More than one a kilometre, I think. Um, There's an awful lot of drink stations. Have people done City to Surf, by the way? Who's done it? Yeah, got to the end of the race. You survived. Yeah, cool. Um, If if we were to do the City to Surf now, like right now, if I were to say to you, not God, if I were to say to you, we're doing the City to Surf right now, how many of you think you'll get to the end? Go on, don't be bashful. How many of you think you're going to get to the end? you got as long as you want. you got as long as you want. Who's confident they will get to the end? Okay, most, a bunch of people. That's good. That's good. Um, all right, so I'm going to tell you a second race. I'm going to tell you three races. This is the second race. This is uh, my race. I made it up, and you can't steal it. It's mine, okay? This is the inaugural city to Perth. Uh, it's 3,934 kilometres. I, I was very generous to you. The northern route is an extra 10 kilometres. Um, I was very generous to you. Um, Google Maps is recommending we catch a plane, but it's a foot race. There's about two thousand drink stops, twenty-two um, hundred drink stops. That's what I, it's got the same proportion of drink stops as the city surf. Just to be kind, who's confident they'll make it to the end on their own two legs? I was at another church. I used the example, and one girl's there going, "That sounds awesome. Can we? Like, is that real? Can we do it? Like." I think our confidence is diminishing. Let me tell you about a third race, and it's much closer to the race of the Christian life that I'm describing. There is no telling where the finish line is or how long the race is. It could be 8 kilometres, 8,000 kilometres, or 80,000 kilometres. You have no idea what the terrain will be like. You won't know till you cross it, till you meet it in front of your face. There's no guarantee of drink stations at appropriate intervals on the journey. You won't have a clue where the finish line is until you reach it. And there could be absolutely anything between you and the finish line that you need to pass still running. All you need to do is keep following directions. Paths, map, it's, it's marked out real well. You've just got to keep running the race for as long as it's necessary for you to arrive. Now who's confident they'll make it to the end? And if it's a single hand, you just haven't understood what I've just said. <laughs> because, I, and that's pretty close to what I'm talking about. Jesus said if he let in Mark 13, if you let the persecution extend for all time, the elect wouldn't even be saved, if if you follow what I'm saying there you don't know if you can finish the race, if that's what it's like, there can be no assurance you'll get get there, but here's the thing I reckon the confidence or lack of confidence that you all had and expressed in those races that I just talked about, had to do with your personal, physical and mental resources, you weighed up Whether you have training, energy, access to food and water, whatever else you need to get to the end of the race, you thought about yourself and your strength to get to the end of the race. And I did too. That's what I asked. The problem is everybody has finite resources. So that third race I described, um, there is not an athlete on earth who would finish that race if it goes on long enough. Everybody, without exception, will fail if the race is hard enough or goes on long enough. It's just a fact because everybody has a limit to their ability to keep running. But we've seen that Christians are those who persevere to the end in the race of faith in Jesus. And if it depends on my spiritual resources, there's no assurance. It turns to despair. But here's the wonderful thing. What if it doesn't rest on my ability? What if my personal resources aren't actually the thing that's on trial, really, in this race? What if that's not the thing to focus on? Imagine for a minute that God guaranteed that his people would be able to finish the race by his provision. What resources has God got at his disposal? What resources does God not have at his disposal? (laughs) Everything. Today, friends, I want us to concentrate on what God contributes to our race to get us there because he promises that his people will. I may stumble, I may fall over, I may get puffed out, I may get confused on the way, I may be broken bloody mess when I cross that finish line but if I am in Jesus Christ I will cross that finish line that's God's promise to his people that's what we want to have a look at today now if you had your Bible there from Ephesians turn to the book of Ephesians I'll get you to flick to a couple of passages Um, and what I'm going to do is add a couple of things to our picture that are about some aspects of what God contributes to our race we're going to paint a theology picture on the screen an overview of what God does for his people from the foundation of the world to Judgment Day at the very, very end. We've heard already, a Christian is a person who trusts in Jesus for salvation and they're called to run the race in him. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will. Friends, before the foundation of the world, God chose, way there before the world was created, his people for salvation. And you're going to have lots of questions about that, and that's good, because that's why we've got Care and Connect cards, and you can ask your questions. What that means is, that salvation is entirely God's work from start to finish. That God chose his people for salvation and then said, and now in history, I'm going to make that happen. And if God's the one doing it, then I can be confident. But, and it also means, here's the thing that makes it, is very important about humility. What's the difference between me, a Christian here, knowing Jesus Christ and the person who might be walking out the side and never has any interest in Jesus? Is it because I'm smarter than them? Is it because I'm more spiritually insightful than them? No, it's not. It's because God in his mercy grabbed a hold of me by his spirit and made me look to Jesus. And I am profoundly thankful for that. God chose me before the foundation of the world. And if you're a Christian, that's because he chose you too. And that means the people who are predestined are absolutely guaranteed final salvation. It's guaranteed they'll get to the end of the race. Flick to Re- uh, book of Revelation right at the um, end of the Bible there. And chapter 20, which is almost the end, there's 21... It's 22 chapters of um, the book of Revelation, 22, but we're looking at chapter 20 and verse 11. And we're just going to look at the opposite end of the spectrum. There's a list at the end of time presented in this passage of two groups. The first group is given salvation because Jesus saved them. The second group is judged by their own works and deservings and doesn't receive salvation because they don't deserve it. None of us do. It's only by God's mercy that any bit of us can get it. So um, chapter 20, verse 11. Um, and it's a very strange vision, but the, the bit we're looking at is clear enough. Um, then I saw a great white throne, judgment throne, and him who was seated, seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, either the book of life or the other book. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. There's this book with a list of names in it of people who were holding on to Jesus, who were trusting in Jesus who make it, who get in. The names written in the book of life are people who are absolutely guaranteed of arriving there in the end. Now we're going to have a look um, right in the middle of history, right where we are now, and if you could turn to our first Bible reading, Ephesians um, chapter 1, and I'll tell you a page number of, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Ephesians there, um, Ephesians is page 1173, you might as well open that up. Um, should have told you to hold your place in that a minute ago, shouldn't I? There's actually a guarantee in here and now that people are elect, that people are, have their name written in the book of life. And he talks in this passage about normal Christian conversion. If you look at becoming a Christian in, in verse 11 there, it says, In him, that's Jesus, um, in Jesus we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of God, him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, so you've heard that idea already, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is normal Christian conversion. People heard the gospel of Jesus. They received by the work of God's Holy Spirit. They heard it. They believed it. The Spirit worked in their heart, and they're sealed and converted. And that Holy Spirit, the person the Holy Spirit, will enable that Christian to continue, continue firmly to the end. I love it. It's, it's like the Spirit says, you see this tired, weak, scrawny runner here, this person without spiritual resources to make it themselves. I will be present with them every day for the rest of their lives. I will empower them to trust Jesus with endurance to the very end. And on the final day, I'll finish what I started and raise them to perfect, resurrected, eternal life, just like what I did with the Lord Jesus. Those sealed by the Holy Spirit are absolutely guaranteed to get there in the end. Now, you'll have lots of questions about how that looks like in real life because you can think of examples that doesn't seem to work and there's more on it next week. But I want us to look finally at Romans 30, because it ties all... Uh, 30, that's heresy. Romans 8, 30. Uh, there's no Romans 30. Romans chapter 8, 1132 is the page, and he ties it all together really beautifully. He makes it into a chain. It's often called the golden chain of salvation, because it, it starts with predestination and ends with glory at the end, and, and there's links in the middle, and there's no there's no break in the chain where people get lost. Romans eight twenty eight it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That's the uh, that's where we hear the gospel and saved for um, those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's our first step right at the beginning before time, um, that they, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those He predestined. He also called, that is, they heard the gospel and responded to it. And those he called, he also justified. He made them right in Jesus, perfect in God's sight. And those he justified, he also glorified. He got them to the end of the race where they were finally fully saved. They received salvation in Jesus in all its fullness and entered God's kingdom. And by the work of God's planning and God's power and God's Holy Spirit, not one person is lost. He fulfills, he achieves his plan links in a chain, unbroken, no loopholes, no remainder, no loss. Here's the point, it's three words, it's simple, it's profound. God saves people. God doesn't just make salvation a possibility. He didn't send his son into the world to die on the cross and say, my son has died for the sins of the world, potentially everybody could be saved. Gosh, I hope a couple of people will trust him. No, by his power, he grabs a hold of people. By his gospel, by the power of his spirit and saves them, and holds on to them firm to the end of the race. Friends, if that's true, if God is enabling people to get to the end of the race, how much much confidence can we have? As much as God's power, surely. (laughs) Absolute confidence, I should think. And it's no fluke that after this section I just read, that outlines what we're talking about, called uh, predestined, sealed by God's spirit or called and led to glory name written in the book of life it's no fluke that straight after that is one of the most exalted statements of confidence in Jesus in the whole bible because it's confidence in God's power to save his people and get them to the end have a look at 831 and it doesn't get your heart pumping you know get get that checked out the doctor because what what then should we say in response to these things if God's for us who can be against us He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, was raised to life and at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or put all these things in the race? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long, we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, you don't have a clue, mate, what is before you in the race. And he faced some really hard things. And he says, I don't need to know. I know that God will fulfill his promise to me and see me firmly and assuredly into his kingdom. Assurance comes from knowing God's power to save. This God is faithful and is able to do as he promised. Now, some of you probably don't agree with all I've just said, which is fine. I want you to ask your questions. I want you to engage with it thoughtfully and be honest about what you think. Here's my challenge to you, though. Um, I believe that if you reject this picture, this big picture of how God's sovereignty and how he grabs a hold of people and brings them by his power into his kingdom, I think if you don't believe that, in the end, you can't have assurance. Because life's hard and you face real bad things. You really do. And things happen that you just don't know where they fit in the, in, in the Christian life and, and, and you start questioning yourself and you're not confident in God's power to do it. He hasn't promised any, anything that I'll persevere in this hardship and you, your doubts are just too big and how can you have assurance when life gets tough if you don't think God's the one who's bringing you into his kingdom? Think it through. I'll ask your questions. I'd love to talk to you more about it and there'll be more info next week actually. I want to show you a video uh, that I think illustrates very beautifully uh, what I've been talking about. The Bible verse that just went past in that video was the first half of what's on the screen. It says, uh, it's the end of Jude, the book in the Bible. It says, Now unto him, that's God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, that's the end of the race, with great joy to the God our Saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. What did you just see in that video? You saw a small boy set out on a race. He's got no hope of making it. He doesn't know the way. It wasn't even his idea to go out of the house. He enters a dangerous city street uh, and it was certain though that he would get to the end. It was certain that he would get to the end because the race was not engaged in with toddler strength or toddler initiative or toddler wisdom. That kid arrived safely at the park with great joy because his parent was holding his hand. And it had nothing to do with his ability or his resources, did it? At all. Brothers and sisters, if a parent can walk this stubborn, barely able to walk toddler through the city streets of Spain to a park, how much more can the almighty creator God walk us safely and faithfully through life and finally into his kingdom? Brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, Christian assurance is about knowing whose hands you're holding and what he's promised you and trusting him because he's able to do it.